Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about the most dangerous game, Richard Connell's 1924 short story about how to outrun a Russian vicomte or some other kind of Aristo shithead. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so Katie, why did we want to read this? The main reason is that just, it just, it fucking rips, man. Just fucking (laughs) rips. Um, from beginning to, from beginning to end, it rocks from the beginning moments when our, when our dumbass hero is like doing eighties dance moves on, uh, (laughs) on the like ledge of a ship. Um, so that because, because he hears a noise that he wants to get a better look at. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, and then of course he like falls into the ocean and paddle and just paddles straight away to little St. James, which is where the action takes place in this, in this fine tale. (laughs) But the main reason that I wanted to read this because is simply to visit this, this goofy ass villain, this, this evil Russian villain who spends his time LARPing as a medieval castle guy, but like loves the electricity also. And, um, and he, he enjoys things like cackling to himself quietly and um and coming to breakfast dressed like little lord fauntleroy before discussing his murder plans he his origin story also involves blowing the heads off turkeys to impress his dad because that's like a cooler thing to hunt than different (laughs) types of birds uh yeah i think more or less that his unspoken origin story though is that he's mad because his name is zaroff and and he was he had to wait till last for everything in elementary school and so i think that that yeah. i think that that warped him in some way i mean i'm ass and i always i fucking hated that my whole my whole childhood yeah i'm not even that bad but <laughs> i'm last of, i'm always last of the t's <laughs> <laughs> well i'm smack in the middle <laughs> I, I think though one one thing that was really it's really helpful to me in uh in just thinking about the reasons why one might want to read this story is that truly this is about a real housewife of New York City uh, run wild <laughs> with, oh, yeah. with her own private highland. The villain behaves like a just completely vicious, rich, hysterical divorcee <laughs> with like a set of uh, of of unwilling henchmen and victims and many screws loose and says things like in all sincerity there's simply no thrill in hunting tigers for me anymore darling and i live for danger (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's there's also there's also some sadness and pathos too like he lives he has like a bunch of heads like dead animal heads and and his guests don't want to see them so (laughs) he just has to sit like at his long dinner table alone and and sigh and be like you know what what is really the point of of killing every animal in the entire animal kingdom if you don't have anyone to share it with it's too sad the evilest thing he also does that we see him do he's obviously an evil guy but the evilest thing he does is um is take a walnut and threateningly crack it under his boot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's obviously badass. <laughs> and, and again, this, this is the thing I do remember from the first time I read this. More or less, this is, it, it reads like a horror story or an adventure. But actually what it is, is a is a domestic 
disagreement about which half of the couple gets to ultimately sleep in the memory foam bed. <laughs> but the yeah. great thing about a memory foam bed is you can both sleep in it and pretend the other person's not there because of the glass of wine thing, you know. Oh yeah, right. With yes, and the and the and the, and the woman uh, jumping on the bed next to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember those commercials from like two a.m. <laughs> right, exactly. Late they late. it's like those and my. Uh, that's how I learned about reverse mortgages and and uh, bouncing on the bed. Yep. <laughs> Well, you may find it easier to simply uh, s- simply do an elaborate murder plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And hide in the drapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always an alpha move. <laughs> um, okay, so I uh, – here's like my odds, like sincere intervention here. But like I just wanted to read this because like you guys suggested it and I haven't read it before. And – this is like weird because I think people read it in high school. And so I was doing that thing where we were like, okay, how did I miss this? And then it got to a weird place, which is okay, which is like, <laughs> I have learned from doing this show that we should throw out the idea that there are books that I should have read. And I'm feeling very liberated. And I think <laughs> you should read things as a dumb concept. Because nobody's read everything, and I think it's a way to get people to feel guilty about not reading shit because they think books are vitamins. <laughs> and so this is my PSA, which is, for real, don't feel bad about shit you haven't read. Because I no. meet people all the time who are like, I haven't read Movie Dick, and that's too bad. And I'm like, there's like movies of that. <laughs> the, the, the 1950s one with uh, Gregory, Gregory Peck. Peck. It's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I haven't seen it, but. That's because I like the book. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not going to feel bad no. about shit I haven't read anymore. Getting to, your, getting to your next point, though, Orson Welles is in it. He plays the, uh, the, the, the preacher man. Of course. Of course he does. <laughs> so, because, yeah. So, I also wanted to read this because of, like, I know I we all have, like, all our cultural obsessions. And this is, like, top 20. But uh, Orson Welles is, <laughs> okay, everybody's favorite commie genius self-parody recorded this for an episode of CBS's radio series Suspense, and he plays Zaroff because, <laughs> like, literally zero people are better villains than Orson Welles. He's the villain in his own fucking movie. Like, the movies <laughs> he wrote, he's like, I'm gonna be the bad guy. Um, <laughs> and he does all this amazing shit. Like, so, if you didn't know, he the servant's name is Yvonne, mm-hmm. and not Ivan, which is, like, what anyone would think. Um, because you're not Orson Welles, are you? And he says, I'm going to do my best. This is terrible. And he goes, Rainsford says, I see the Cape Buffalo head over there. And isn't that the most dangerous game? And Orson Welles goes, the Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and if you're wondering where that accent comes from, obviously Orson Welles is from Wisconsin. And that makes perfect sense that he would talk like that. Don't wait. So stop listening to us and go listen to that. Like it's easy to find an MP3. So like fuck, <laughs> fuck this. Just listen to Orson Welles. Yeah, and, and I love the, the self parody thing too. Is being like so much kind of part of his, his I ethos. Know. Like I remember uh, when we uh, we taught uh, uh, his comment uh, or sequence uh, uh, Citizen Kane a, f- a few years ago, and we you know we watched the film uh, at the same time. But I remember saying to you like, uh, like uh, oh wow, like yeah, young Orson Welles, like you know, he's a, he's a good looking dude. Um, yeah. And then and then I looked at something from like literally less than a decade later, and in that 
space he had become in you know orson wells in quotation right, marks. the joke orson wells and considering like he he was that he's like what 25 and something uh-huh. something yeah. crazy yeah and yeah i mean the man was a, a troubled genius <laughs> but he also like staged a play of native son and was working on a play yeah. of moby dick when he died which figure that one out no, he's 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 amazing. You know, I I definitely share your 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 standing there. Yeah, it's a it's a cool take. I would say. <laughs> it's a, it's cold. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not controversial to love Orson Welles for the youth who who might not who might not know. Um, but uh, yeah. So so right. So um, after why well, I wanted to read this. Um, after plowing through Scott uh, and Wright and Melville this season, um, all of who yeah I'm a big fan of, as you guys know. Uh, and yeah, all right, fine. We read some porn, and Jack Kerouac is like that too. Uh, but yeah, like, but, yeah, <laughs> but none like, of those were over four hundred pages. <laughs> no, no, that's no, that's true. Um, and I was, uh, but I was, you know, I was definitely like, you know, I, I could I could stand for some good old fashioned pulp. Um, and yeah, I vaguely remembered this from high school along with like a separate piece and all the other shit that people read in in high school, (laughs) the lottery, Uh, the lottery. Yeah. Which is actually really good. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I did know that it spawned this whole genre of people hunting fiction, um, including the delightfully insane 1932 movie that I very much doubt to talk about. And I just want to say the, the Russian count in that it has the worst Russian accent I've ever heard. Like the, the Orson Welles, what, whatever that accent was, right. It's like, he's like, yes, my servant. I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's not, it's not anything approaching Russian or any other accent in the world. Um, Orson Welles is just doing an Orson Welles accent. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, But no, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought this was great. Um, For one thing, I love that it's an own of a czarist aristocrat. Mm -hmm. uh, And and that lets me do this uh, pro bullshit reading. Um, I no idea if that's what Cottle intended and likely not. It it sort of seems to me that, you know, the Russian thing is more like a stand in via for, you know, new world versus old world or something like that but i don't give a shit it tracks um, <laughs> and it's just this very tight and yes uh, fairly obvious but also very fun story that i think you can do a ton with like you know i'm sure you could do interesting post-colonial readings with it um it definitely seems to offer itself to eco criticism and like the anthropocene uh obviously marxist readings um and you know i spent five minutes on jstor and the mla bibliography uh which tells me that there's all kinds of you know 19th and early 20th century natural science philosophy here too so there's a lot we could do with it and i'm curious to see where this goes so today we're talking about the question of russia and the revolution we're talking about um, masculinities and gender and we're talking about the genre um okay so i'm gonna do a summary of this uh which might actually be longer than the story because <laughs> uh, the story is quite short So New York's own Sanger Rainsford, who is definitely not in an Edith Wharton novel with that name, is traveling with his friend Whitney, who is definitely not in a Joseph Conrad novel. They are on a boat, Tristan. Yep. yep. Bound. uh, It's a yacht, actually. Uh, Which, which is for Tristan is like a, a, is like a, is like a, it's like a fancy lad. It's yes, the bad but- version of a boat. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, it's the boat right. you don't like. Okay. <laughs> right. It's the other end of the spectrum from a raft, which is not a neither a boat nor a ship. <laughs> it's fine. To, it's fine to have taste and to be particular about things. What's a canoe for you, by the way? It's just like 
It's the CBD oil of boats. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, that's exactly right. No, I mean, like, it doesn't gotta, do what I want it to do. You got a <laughs> pond, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so they're on a yacht bound for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, which I can't imagine was like a was cool even in 1924. The story here begins one of its most oppressive and repeated metaphors. First, well, many of its most repeated metaphors. First, darkness. <laughs> the dank tropical night was palpable as it pressed its thick, warm blackness. <laughs> Rainsford says that the night is like moist black velvet. So it's dark, boys. It's darkest things that are night. Uh, maybe the jaguars? Because jaguars are black and velvety, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and moist black velvet is like, oh, we went out to the club and I spilled a cocktail on my velvet dress. Totally. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's damp. It's damp. And, yeah. And covered in cosmopolitans. Yes. Yes. Um, also, I just uh, jaguars, right? Uh, I, I saw a jaguar stalking a two-year-old at the San Diego Zoo once. <gasps> it's like it was, it was awesome. the, the kid was like right at the fence like, ah, and like and the parents were like, oh, that's cute. Like the jaguar wants to be friends. The jaguar was no. like eyes locked on this kid just stalking back and forth. <laughs> nice. so, good, anyway. good for you, big cat. I my, I support you. That's my jaguar story. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, so the next theme is hunting. And here are some things they say to each other. Rainsford says, the world is made up of two classes, the hunters and the hunties. Mm -hmm. That's the word he uses. Uh, Luckily, you and I are hunters. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. And then Whitney says, I rather think the jaguar understands one thing, fear. The fear of pain and the fear of death. (laughs) and like okay i don't know if these are even themes like i think this is just the world's most obnoxious foreshadowing but but you also see why this is like standard ninth grade fiction right because if you're you're standing up there on the blackboard you're like okay foreshadowing like you know you want a a nice example that that you know some 14 year old could get their head around like oh i feel like something creepy is happening here Mm -hmm. yes yep uh, so okay so they pass an island that the captain of their yacht thingy has said is creepy and all should fear it and rainsford's like why are sailors they're so superstitious um <laughs> and the name of this is Bodie crashy island <laughs> um okay wait no it's actually called ship trap island and i bet you thought i made that one up too but i did not <laughs> yeah that's not any better that is the real one yeah no that's what it's called in the story uh, so Rainsford and Whitney are talking, you know, metaphors that high schoolers will pick up on. And Whitney goes off to bed and Rainsford's like, I'm going to stick around to smoke one last pipe. And then he does 80s dance moves on the rails and drops his iPhone into the ocean and falls in after it. And, and if I could just interject here, the one thing that I am pissed off about the 1932 film with is that, like, the best part of the story is what a dipshit Rainsford is and the whole dipshit yeah. way he gets there. And, like, no, in the movie they had to make it always oh, a shipwreck and, sh- like, something, like, you know, uh-huh. madly and heroic. It's like, all right, fine. Well, yeah, I, I, I get it, Hollywood, but. But no. No. Yeah. He leaned too far over the side like Kate Winslet in Titanic, and there was no Leonardo DiCaprio to save him. So this is what happens. <laughs> yep. They fall into the moist black velvet water. 
It's awfully moist in there. Yes. <laughs> in the water. Um, okay, so he swims to Final Destination Island where he comes across this giant ca- house castle. I think he actually calls it a chalet. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, yes, he, he does. does. Um, so he knocks on the door in a very like giant door knocker is this Dracula's castle way. And he's greeted by this enormous Russian with a big beard and a gun, which is always a great sign in a story that that's the first person you see. <laughs> um, the guy doesn't talk, but lets him in when a very fancy man with a face like an aristocrat, that's the line, uh, descends the marble staircase and he's like, hello. Uh, you look like someone I want to eat. Uh, anyway, so the Aristo guy is General Zaroff. I am trying not to say Zardoz, um, <laughs> like the movie with Sean Connery, but uh, you know, let's just all assume that this guy's not in a red diaper. Yeah. Um, Zaroff. Do we a- have to assume he's not? <laughs> well, we get all these like descriptions of his fancy clothes. Also, he has bright white uh, mustache and goatee and brilliantly black hair. So he's not he's really hot. Yeah, he's hot. He's not. <laughs> he's not following the directions on the just just for men. <laughs> no, not well. Anyway. Or, or he did. He didn't. He didn't invest it. Or he 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 neglected to you know just brush some on his his beard. No, he didn't do the Glenn Beck method of <laughs> awesome white goatee. I think it's a look. I think he is a look happening. <laughs> And that look is Russian incest face. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Fucking czarist. Yeah, right. Ugh. Okay. Ivan invites Rainsford in. He says, go to this bedroom because you fell in the you fell in the sea and change your clothes. And then Zaroff invites him to dinner. And they have uh, borscht and cocktails and fancy, fancy food. And Rainsford says, hey, like, you got a cool collection of heads around here. And there are lions. Tigers, elephants, moose, bears, and I assume that like Walter Scott, there is also an upside down walrus skull. (laughs) Those are horns, sir. Yes, and no, th- and thank you for that. That I neglected to mention that detail in the Rob Roy episode. I was kicking myself in the ass. Yes, Abbotsford, which I talked about, right? Yes, Scott hung a walrus skull upside down because he didn't know what the fuck a walrus was and assumed that those were horns. Yep. <laughs> Boss ass Scotland move. <laughs> yes. Um, I will note, however, you know what is not one of those heads? A whale. Yeah. There are there are no white whale heads. So mm-hmm. even though you all have been reading this and you know where this is going and what the most dangerous game is, you're gonna be fucking disappointed. So yeah. it is not a whale. It sounds pretty weak to me. I think yeah. I think a real greatest hunter would have a fucking whale skull, is all I'm saying. Well, that is why he dies in the end, is because <laughs> he wasn't ball he didn't have big enough balls to hunt a fucking whale. <laughs> No, you didn't have the fucking gonads to make it work. Oh, God. it's you, This is just, again, this is like a disappointing story because whale is the most dangerous game. Mm-hmm. Correct. This should be called the second most dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Read a fucking no. book. The, oh, God. It's the third most dangerous game. It's the third most dangerous game. The second most dangerous game is Monopoly because I get so pissed <laughs> when I play it. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. true. You know that that was like invented by a, a communist, though, right? To show children about the folly of buying property. 
Well, all I know is I own Boardwalk and Park Place, baby. You can all kiss my fucking ass. <laughs> oh, this rich bitch over here. Uh, uh, hotel on both. Oh, God. Amazing. Uh, okay. So Zardoz, Zaroff, tells Rainsford that uh, he calls it after the debacle in Russia. Which is a nice little signpost. I left the country for it was imprudent for an officer of the czar to stay there sure many noble russians lost everything i luckily had invested heavily in american securities which allows this guy to hunt all kinds of other shit like rhinos and grizzly bears and etc thank god other things that give you super high sexual potency yep uh but eventually he got bored of hunting endangered species so what is an aristo doo-doo head to do well he moves to your fucked island because he wanted the ideal animal to hunt. And so Zaroff is telling Rainsford about what he was thinking about. And he said, what are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. But no animal can reason, objected Rainsford. (laughs) 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 My dear fellow, said the general, there is one that can. But you can't mean, gasped Rainsford. This is why this works. So I'm like literally moving my head to either side of the microphone. This is like, no wonder this makes such a good radio play. (laughs) You can't mean, gasped Rainsford. And why not? I can't believe you are serious, General Zaroff. This is a grisly joke. But why should I not be serious? I am speaking of hunting. Hunting? Great guns, General Zaroff. What you speak of is murder. (laughs) because <laughs> getty's a hunter so yep. so even his like profanity thing is 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 a reference to hunting gun, sir did, did you get that also i just want to i just want to point out did you guys catch that ga- the most dangerous game it could be like a game you play or it could Nuh-uh. be like game that you hunt oh my god wow <laughs> double meaning that is some we're just very we're very observant readers we are so, fourteen-year-old listeners, first of all, ask your parents because uh, this is a, a you know an adult lit podcast. Uh, but you, you go with that. You could probably get like an A minus on your your paper. Yeah, I'm sure you could just you you, you checked off your uh, your themes, <laughs> killed it. The the best part of that conversation I do have to say is that like Megan, when you're reading it, I was thinking like it, it is basically like. Surely you can't be serious. Yes, I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Like it talks like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Again, he doesn't know how to hunt a whale, so we know that he is not not General Big Balls. Okay, so Rainsford is a total spoil sport and disapproves of shooting people for shits and giggles. So. You know, what a dickhead. And woke scold. Woke scold. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, like, we may talk about this or not, but Zaroff says, I hunt the scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. Sailors from tramp ships, Lassars, blacks, Chinese, whites, mongrels. A thoroughbred horse or hound is worth more than a score of them. Which, like, sort of initially, like, sounds like an indictment of the Aristo fuck, but, like, Rainsford is a super white guy, and he's the one who survives. So, like, maybe never mind. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, this, again, this goes with the the pro-bolshy reading that I I want to (laughs) impose on this. That, yep. That is cool with me. 
But Rainsford is like, so what if these guys refuse to be hunted? And Zaroff says, well, I turn them over to Yvonne. And <laughs> Yvonne once had the honor of serving as official nouter to the Great White Tsar. So that's icky. Mm-hmm. Which is like a like a whip with hooks on it. Is that right, Tristan? Uh I don't know. I looked it up. I think it's like a giant whip. It's like a scourge. Okay. So I'll here. I'll, we'll, we'll edit that part out. Like, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed a scourge. I know about weird weapon, like weird. Yeah. Yes. Torture I, weapons. Yes. Uh, you, you are right. Because that is my thing on the show to know that. Yep, you're the you're the you're the no stuff guy. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so we also learned that Zaroff has a giant pack of dogs that patrol the island and help with the hunt. And it's in my mind like the Pixar movie Up. And also now Zaroff is played by an old ass version of Christopher Plummer, and I'm happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> He's changed. He's not Orson Welles anymore. So he sends Rainsford to bed, telling him that tomorrow they will hunt together. And Rainsford is trapped in this fancy bedroom until the morning, at which point he and Zaroff eat breakfast. And Zaroff then gives him food and clothes and a knife. And he says, just, you know, avoid the swamp called Death Swamp. <laughs> oh. it's really call- Again, it's like it's really called that. <laughs> avoid drinking it from the bottle with a skull and three x's yeah. <laughs> uh the pit of the pit of despair i didn't know so and then he's like i'm gonna give you a head start and rainsford sets off into the dark and hunty wilds of russian murderer island <laughs> uh okay and then the rest of this is actually kind of boring uh rainsford he takes off he's the hunty and he climbs up a tree to to get a the drop on Zaroff and and he catches Zaroff sort of like strolling around underneath the tree and uh and initially he's like, Oh, I outsmarted this motherfucker, but Zaroff like he just wanders around, then he stops and he smiles and then he leaves. So you think you got the drop on him. You're not reading the right story. <laughs> Uh okay, so we know he's just fucking with him. So Rainsford builds this contraption called a Malay man catcher. Uh you'll catch some weird, like, um, you know, traps that are all based on like the global south. Yeah. Um so he does this, he mil- builds this thing and then he only slightly injures Zaroff because Zaroff too knows how orientalized trap contraptions work. Uh, and then Rainsford takes off again, and now he finds himself in Death Swamp. I can't believe he's called it. Uh, <laughs> and so Rainsford builds a Burmese tiger pit, which is another like booby trap thing where it's like a pit full of spikes, and then it has grass or earth or something covering on it. And then, but he only kills one of the dogs. But he's really excited because he hears something like do a death squeal and he's like i got him but no mm, yeah you have only killed a doberman pincher sir and those are not the greatest game the most dangerous <laughs> game uh so he takes off once more and then uh he remembers a native trick he learned in uganda uh because these hunters are very worldly and it's not just that they shoot shit they are also smart and have been to places 
Mm-hmm. So he sets a trap where a a tree flings a knife. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I pictured a very like wily coyote scenario where yeah, he just like he just sure. ties the knife to his tree and like bends it back and then it's just boing, 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 and right into <laughs> Ivan's big Cossack head. I think that maybe all, it could have also been like a Lord of the Rings living tree type scenario, you know? Oh, okay. oh right, right, right. Where it stabs him with one of its yeah. like branches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a Groot scenario. <laughs> yes. Big, big Groot. Big boy Groot. Big boy Groot. But he kills Ivan, but he doesn't kill Zardoz. And so he's running and he's running and he's running from the dogs at Zardoz. And then Rainsford sees a spot through the trees and it's a cliff. That's great. Okay. And so he jumps into the ocean. <laughs> and Zaroff is like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's it. So he lights up and he <laughs> takes a sip from his flask and he goes back to the chalet. And then Zaroff is sitting in the Hotel Macabre and talking to himself. And he says, two slight annoyances kept him from perfect enjoyment. One was the thought that it would be difficult to replace Ivan. The other was that his quarry had escaped him. Of course, the American hadn't played the game. Hmm. It was suspicious. <laughs> Are you? Hmm. Okay. Mm. Something is something is making me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so he goes to bed and who is hiding in his room but Rainsford? Dun, dun, dun. Ah. 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 Yeah. He swam to safety and the general says, you have won the game. And Rainsford, this is the end. He says, Rainsford did not smile, but I am still a beast at bay. He said in a low, hoarse voice. Remember, this is not Orson Welles. He's the other guy. Get ready, General Zaroff. The general made one of his deepest bows. I see, he said. Splendid. One of us is going to have to furnish a repast for the hounds. The other (laughs) will sleep in this very excellent bed. On guard, Rainsford. (laughs) he had never slept in a better bed Rainsford decided ominously (laughs) and that's the end yeah I mean it's fun you know no it it is even though it's like at no point are you like the most dangerous game is a whale no well, and you know what? I actually like, I, I mean, I don't like, I, in a way, I want to read this as YA fiction, you know, like, because it, 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 which I don't think, I mean, it's not, it's like, it's a, it's, it's pulpy kind of mass market. I mean, not explicitly like, like young adult fiction, but it just like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, there is a way it's kind of like trading you as like a close reader to like, to like, oh, this is what symbolism is, this is what foreshadowing is. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a cool story. It's, you know, it's got interesting imagery and it's adventurous. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a fun 30 minutes, you know. <laughs> I, no, I didn't, I wasn't mad at it. I've had worse times, <laughs> I've had worse 30 minutes, yeah, for sure. I've had to wait in line to get into the target in my mask, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, okay, so speaking of which, the context is going to be real short today because we're gonna, we're gonna get to a lot of this in our questions, but um. I just so two things I want to note is like the the sort of magazine fiction aspect of this, which we've talked about before, and the genre questions. And so this is published in Collier's, which uh, publishes all kinds of great stuff. Like the Upton Sinclair article is Chicago's Meat Clean, 
Um, spoiler alert, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, stories by Jack London and Ernest Hemingway. Uh, the Turn of the Screw was published in Collier's, which is very cool. So it's like not a particularly interesting point. I think it's important for us to remember that this genre piece appears in a publication that worked across a number of genres. Uh, we don't have to belabor this, but like short fiction actually seems to be like better at genre spanning than other works in really generative ways. And what I mean by that is like the people who've won the O. Henry Prize range from you know, from f- fancy people to like Stephen King writing as Richard Bachman. Mm-hmm. It really, it like the short story can really like encounter a lot of genres in an interesting way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like it also just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite have the like preoccupations of like the novel behind it. So it, you know, it's just, it's just like mm-hmm. a little bit of a looser genre, you know, and it um, marks itself explicitly as middle brow. And there are moments where the novel, which is also middle brow born, middle brow always right. going to be, but it sometimes has like, aspirations and the short story sort of doesn't well and i think probably because it doesn't then it can it can it can go and do like really weird and experimental things you know it it can kind of it it, yeah it just like yeah exactly so that that is cool uh okay so like uh, in the generic vein like we've had horror and gothic and ghost stories and you guys did a little bit of science fiction um but we haven't explicitly mentioned adventure fiction although we have actually Unadventure fiction like Crusoe um, and other stuff too. So I think it's worth noting like adventure fiction absolutely dominated literary culture in the progressive era. Hmm. It's everywhere. It's really a good fit for things like comics, for YA, for children's literature, all of which sort of emerge in the late 19th and early 20th century. Like all genres, it's pretty expansive. Obviously, it existed long before that, long after that. Um, we've all seen Jurassic Park, you know, <laughs> like ad- adventure fiction's like actually kind of great. It's both pulp and middle brow. Uh, it's for kids. It's for grownups. It's like really, really important to the development of cinema culture. We also haven't explicitly discussed the thriller very much. And so even though the devices that I pointed to in the summary are like very heavy handed and sort of awful they point us in the direction of genres that are that that make their symbolic problems sort of obvious so um genre fiction gives us all these very specific literary techniques that we seem to learn about in high school which we talked about so like twists red herrings Mm -hmm. the scene of like the deduction foreshadowing heavy-handed production of themes like obvious symbols are again they like feel obvious they feel like high school problems but those techniques are historical Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like they they're part of detective fiction they're they're late 19th century early 20th century literary technologies yeah well, and and I I hadn't thought uh, much about the degree to which like adventure fiction does dominate the pro- progressive era. It, it just yeah, I mean it, it, in terms of literature, it's not it's not an era that's always 
foremost in in um, what I think about. But it does like it, it. It does also kind of make sense to me politically in that like hmm. the whole like premise of the adventure story where you're kind of going out. Well, one, you're, it's a little bit of a respite from modernity, but you're also going out and kind of imposing some sort of order or like dealing with this like this space that is typed as like disordered in some way, and that is like kind of the telos of liberalism, right? So like and imperialism, I, right? And like, imper- yes, yes, liberal imperialism, absolutely. And like, so I sort of like, yeah, I could definitely see historically why like in the progressive era, it's like, oh yeah, like look, America going out, like Teddy Roosevelt, like you know, like civilizing the world or whatever, but but not in the bad European way, and the good right. American way or whatever shit, you know? Yeah, totally. Katie, is this seem right? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, it's like, so at the same time you're doing this project, like you're going out and also expanding your sensory and skill repertoire. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's something to that too, where mm-hmm. you go out, you, these like, sens- it's, it's like sensation fiction, you know, like you go out yes. and you have it, like the excitement is a part of it for the ostensibly to build character of the person doing the thing in the story. So like, yeah. that's why they're all like big dick hunter guys. But also then reading it is supposed to sort of like inculcate you into that type of deal. Yeah. yeah and and that that also gets sort of to to like one, one thing that I marked about this like, oh, it, it's interesting to me that this guy is like a New Yorker rather than some like fucking like Tory Brit squire. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, but but I think that another thing that's happening in that era too, right, is that America's like imperial uh, uh, drive and hostility and violence uh, it ceases to be like a spe- specifically an inward facing thing like the North American continent. And suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we've arrived now. We want to be the British Empire. 2.0 you know what i mean so it's like oh, yeah. it's kind of recovery or sort of trying to americanize some of those forms um and katie like what you said about pedagogy so you're sort of learning how to do the big dick like you know british imperialist kind of thing you know right i mean he wins too right like i feel yeah, like this yeah. couldn't have been a brit right well yeah no, <laughs> it would have been a more tragic ending or something right or something <laughs> but like even though his name basically is like Featherbottom Rutherford. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, yes. No, totally. Sager Rainsford. Uh, There's something else that I found really uh, hilarious about the movie. In the movie, they change it to Bob Rainsford. And I could totally see, like, you know, Golden Age Hollywood people being like, Sanger, no, see, he needs a a good American name. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. It is like a very New York, like, in in the idiom of American cinema, it's got to be called something, yeah. Yeah, yes. recognizable. Yeah, exactly. Sanger, what the hell kind of name is that? Yeah, <laughs> never heard people of him. Think, people think he's a foreigner or a sissy <laughs> or a sewing machine. There, there is another thing about this too. Like, right, the 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 American goes out sportingly to to hunt. He, he's not. He's it's. It's on. He's going out sportingly. He's going for out sure. for funsies, to, and then winds up conquering. Like he's he. This is not an essential trip. He's not doing. He's not doing this for any goddamn reason at all. He's just. He's just. He's just for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. to murder. Yeah. Just to, well, not to murder, but like to slaughter, slaughter uh, mm-hmm. jaguars, and like this is not quite what this is. But there's also this whole thing of like lost world fictions. Yeah. Yeah. Or like that? secret island fictions, which is like a it's not quite the same as a Robinsonade because those are the islands that like one individual like I'm not gonna say Nazi, 
<laughs> but some yeah. island of dr moreau shit where like one individual dude who is like overstepped the bounds of imperialism or whatever has decided to like fuck with human nature yeah yeah no totally so okay so something else that we wanted to talk about is like it's not cool it's not like nothing that he's russian right like yeah. how real question how much are we supposed to know well, and yeah, and, and how much are we supposed to give a shit? Yeah, and and I think too, like the uh, a way. I mean, something that, a point you made before we started making that, like the politics of this are incoherent. And, and I know, I and I and and this is partially. Sorry, what, Tristan, I don't. I felt like I was trampling all over your Marxist. No, 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 no. I I I I, I want to be clear. The like pro bullshit reading I'm doing. This is my fantasy of what this story is. I'm not making any claim that <laughs> okay, that's what's okay. actually going on. But um, but no, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question because like we do, like we do have this story pegged to a couple real world historical things one yeah. world war one right like we're told that the reason that raidsford's able to dig this burby's tiger pit so quickly is because well he had been in the trenches right so like yeah. oh okay and so like uh, hey is there a claim here that like yeah like just the loss of meaning and the savagery of the war like now people are gonna hunt each other it just okay maybe uh, but then the other thing right is the russian revolution right and that this this, yeah. this guy is like the type of a fucking czarist like mm-hmm. sort of like you know peasant in slaving asshole uh yeah. right and then that, that and okay so that like yeah that that like what there is a critique of like aristocracy there and i mean i like i think that's i mean i don't think that that's probably what coddle was thinking i think that that's a fine fantasy to have of this as i do but, yeah. but i but i also do think though that like it, there there might be something that is a little bit more like yeah that this is like an intended um theme of the story which is something about like kind of new world versus old world and this idea of like what the old world represents being like um oppressive or tyrannical in some way versus the you know the bright-eyed like optimistic american who's going to set things right um and i think that probably is closer to what it's doing but i don't know i'm going to say this is just a hardcore like bullshit screen <laughs> i mean i again it's like i when i say it's politics are incoherent that doesn't mean it's not like elastic enough for us to think about it in other ways but i just mm-hmm. think it like uh it's also that it throws like historical um events into itself that are just like you know this could happen now like it's trying to sort of like position itself in its present moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because if the end of the war is what like seven years before that yes it's, uh it's the 24th, six right yeah oh wait yeah six yeah, started six 17 oh you're t- oh, yeah, i'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry yeah it's you're wait so we're, we're talking world war one we're talking the russian revolution oh i was talking about the russian revolution oh i'm sorry i was talking about world war one doesn't matter right both the Russian Revolution is it still ongoing? The Russian Revolution very recently wrapped, uh, but but yeah, oh, World yeah. War, World War Two or World War One rather is about six years before. Yeah, right. So both of those are I, again. I think it's like trying to position itself as being like it's happen. It's like this is current to this story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's yeah. it's saying it's about us, which again is like I I. I'm trying to figure out if that has like a political content or not because it's, it just seems like it's could happen yesterday. It's like the lottery in that sense, right? It, no, there's a, yes, I, I completely agree. There is like a shitload that feels contemporary about this and it relates to the, to the, to the Russian and, and American thing to me. Part of it is because like, so isn't it the deal that, that, uh, like the Cossacks were just like in it for the, the for the cash 
and stuff isn't the implication that he would have been would have been sort of doing this to like advance or get like mo- more money well they're mercenaries right yeah that that's the kind of historic type yeah um that the, yeah that that's the and also they're they're yeah, kind of like outsiders to to the like the right like they're they're not like russian aristocrats they're these like sort and, and they come from the the i mean the real sort of like origins they're they're from the caucasus right and like so that so they're they're kind of yeah they're sort of like peripheral and yeah these kind of threatening like mercenary types um well in the t- between we know that both ivan and uh, Zaroff are Cossacks, but they're definitely produced as two different sort of figures. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's the thing that like, so we find out that Zaroff has invested heavily in American securities. That's his whole, like, he's like money guy. That's yeah. why he has, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Th- that's why he has Weirdo Island. Yes. Right. Because again, this is for me is like the part of the progressive era puzzle that I haven't been able to put together, which is like, oh, he's like, He's doing this Gilded Age business, but like, yeah, it's, but then again, that's like a genre thing, which is like the adventure story. And that, who knows, like, what its basis is in sort of material conditions in that moment, but it doesn't seem unimportant. No, and 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 well, right. And when he says that, like, uh, and and base, <laughs> we just go through his life story. I, and this is just because I read uh, "Speak Memory" within the last year. I'm thinking of I Vladimir was thinking about that too. Yeah, the cause family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like, although they were they were not this. They were like like kind of liberally czarist, not not the not the not, not, the, not like, the like world conquering psychopath. No, or that like it's such a shame they abolished serfdom, that kind of uh, czarist. <laughs> but but no, but like yeah, what he's like, I you know, I I was not reduced to having a tea room in Monte Carlo or driving a cab uh but but it's like okay but so he's latched on to like this new version of capital as a way to allow his like you know fucked up like old timey old world aristocratic being and ethos to like yes. live on into the modern era and and i think that like actually like and this like yeah I, I actually think the story is kind of like ooh, that's kind of scary <laughs> like you know like it, it like I, I wish that like all of these people had basically lost all of their estates and we could just forget about them you know yeah but they gotta hide out on final destination island yeah, like we, yeah. it's weird right like god you gotta put them somewhere so they kill off people one at a time yeah yeah and, and, also, and this is just shitballing to uh shitballing that's spit no i really liked that one now i think of you as being like an egyptian dung beetle <laughs> yeah okay uh, sure um but no like so 24 right like I, I don't quite think there was the like, pa- well, yeah, the like the panic about, well, I don't know. So when's the first Red Scare? Is that right around now or is that? Shit, I don't, I mean, doesn't it keep what? happening yeah, in weird does. way? Like it kind of bubbles up here and there. I guess, so I guess I'm asking a question then, is that like America's sort of like paranoia about the Soviet Union really went through cycles, right? Like, I mean, in World War II, it's like, oh, there are allies. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, like they're, they're the, the, the evil empire or whatever. And you know, Stalin sucked and not, you know, but, but like, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. but, 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 but like, I, I, you know, it's, it's not, it's not just the case that like from 1917 on, like universally across the board in America, mm-hmm. there was just this like red panic. It came in waves. And so, like, I kind of wonder if, like, twenty four, like, where it sits, like, if it's if it's like a time where it would be okay to have like a vaguely like the Russian aristocrats were bad in a way that, like, you know, you would have to doctor Zhivago it up like ten years. I, I just don't know. I, it's kind of just a historical question I have, you know. It's that that's interesting. It's also because like this is the least threatening type of threatening bad guy. Like, you'd you'd have to be <laughs> sure. you you'd have to fuck around to find out. 
You know, yes. like yeah. y- you'd have to be the the odds of this is not somebody who is who could possibly be walking among us. This person is so <laughs> antisocial that yeah. all they all he can do is like live on an island with his with his manservant and yeah. Yeah. and nurture his the largest man. The bi- yeah. Yeah, it, it is. There is like an enervation to it, right? It's like it is. Uh, you, you sort of like even in his like you know big dick hunter guys. You can. It, it's kind of like he's a figure of decay in some way, right? Right. Well, because yeah, because because the, the like the the hardy robust dumbass American guy is going out to simply hunt a jaguar in the in the in the wild, but this guy has built a Rube Goldberg contraption. <laughs> yeah, right? That's exactly, yeah. Because that's right. he thinks of himself as being like too good to hunt rhinos. Right. So he has to make all these like all these like um you know fussy little rules about everything. Right. Right. Right, because that's what at the end we're like, you didn't play the game right. <laughs> even though yeah, from yeah. the beginning it's like yeah but you gave him a knife and you have a gun doo. so like you didn't play the game right yeah Ex- yeah like yeah. so what's the what's the deal with that yeah and it's i mean this but this is like okay now i'm now i'm into weird thoughts which is like it's in a way the opposite of a war game isn't it it's like managing that that impulse to violence as being like not about big power structures but about like teeny little islands where you can like get out your murdery impulses and and but like also what is the what is the impulse he's nurturing it i because because it would seem to be that when he gets out his murdery impulses it's no fun for him then oh right because right, he has to keep repeating it you mean because he well because he, he's always yes he he's he has to keep he's always disappointed when he uh when he does the when he does the murder thing you know he's like oh this one was no fun right which i don't know if you do want to get into the mark seltzer stuff but um i mean can like can you give us the uh the basics yeah so so his thing and this the serial killer term thing is from the 70s it's this so this is like applying it early but the the deal is that um being a being a serial killer is about obviously seriality so repetition and his argument is basically that comes from modernity like we have this mechanized society and it makes people cuckoo for cocoa puffs right and so like wound culture so calls it wound culture and and so what he what he says basically is like the the solution that that serial killers arrive at is that they do this repetitive addictive violence and like and because it has so so here's the whole weird thing right that i would value your thoughts on both in a way general zig zip zap zop is a <laughs> is like a he's a throwback but he's also like very into the fact that he has electricity and like mechanizing the island and like doing Mm -hmm. like all of these technology things so like there's something here there there's something here he's like a i mean i guess there's always like the modern and the throwback in some weird way because otherwise there'd be no throwback you know Mm -hmm. right the modern and the throwback stuff is like to what degree is he doing both things yeah 
And like, because he says he's after this classic. He he basically says like, "I'm after the oldest thing there is, baby." Excitement. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because if I already handled, if I already got out of Russia in what I think he perceives to be like, you can't, you can't kill fancy people. Like, you know, the right. the people's revolution. If he's escaped that, then he has to. He doesn't want to be in a sort of again, like I think this is weirdly the opposite of a war game. Yeah. Well it's a, a one on one. Yes, it is. Um But it's right. rigged like a war game, you know? It, it yeah. No, it is. Um yeah, and, and also I don't know, I think that that's like the the that last thing that the American didn't play by the rules, right? Where he's really right. really mad about that. Both of them, Rainsford and Zaraf are both in some way sort of like dissatisfied with modernity or they're like managing mm-hmm. in a different ways. Right. And like what Rainsford, like Rainsford's like the fucking like Teddy Roosevelt kind of fantasy of like, which oh, is like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And like, like, you know, this weird way. And I like if I say like Teddy Roosevelt was a conservationist, I know like kind of eco critics are going to like jump on rightly so. But <laughs> but like that idea that, like, oh, yeah, but like, like man in nature, right? And that like, like part of being like a complete sort of like modern, uh, you know, masculinist, like sort of is is this is is being able to like, yeah, you've got your desk job, but then you can get out there and go on a nice hike where you, you know, shoot a rhino or whatever. Um, whereas like for Zar, so it's like kind of an escape for Reigns for right. And it's like and, and it's oh, and it's yeah. like it's like some okay so he's he's in has some kind of relationship to nature and to modernity for zarov it's like he basically just wants to like live in this like kind of feudal aristocratic like past right and, and, and in a way that like you know what i mean so it's like it's like zarov like he has the trappings of modernity but they're kind of like to enable like his worst impulses whereas like uh rainsford is um like he's doing modernity right in the, in the american way or something like that right because he can like go he's he'll go out into a setting this is fake right like i think the island is supposed to be marked off as like a fake zone because like he makes the rules i am not entirely clear that he didn't just make death swamp that he didn't like truck in sand from the philippines and like make a quicksand pit no i mean i i no. i mean he's got a fucking chalet on this caribbean island you know like what the fuck right so right it's just like a plastic lego setting where he just like puts the guys in there you know, you know what it is too. Like it, uh, it it's the uh, it, <laughs> in uh, Disneyland, right? They have the most, by far, the most racist part of Disneyland is it's called like Adventureland. Um, and there's this Jungle Cruise ride, which has been there since the fifties, to like delete or take out any of the like overtly racist imagery of it. That's what this fucking is, right? For sure. <laughs> he's he's only only the 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 uh, the the hippos or whatever will actually come out of the water and eat you. But potentially you know but um but there's no other animals there right and that's part of what i mean by like yeah, it's a no, fake yeah, island yeah, it's not like yeah. you hear a little bird calls or something it's just like yeah. completely constructed no yeah. and it's important that the only animal we do see is are is are his pack of hunting dogs these like domestic animals that right. are that are like a uh an accessory mm-hmm. to to doing this like sort of he he's not like doing bow sitting up in a tree covered in deer piss doing bow hunting. Right. No, Pack up no. dogs like he's on a fox hunt. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing a weird aristocratic I mean it's not it's not weird in the idiom of like aristocratic hunting games, but like he's he's following he's following a an a narrative that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. 
And that that's the thing, right? Is that like he fails to see so he keeps everything to this narrative, this I guess aristocratic way of of doing a hunt or whatever, and he fails to see that that is the very thing that ruins his excitement. Not, you know, it, it's not the problem of what he's hunting, it's right. how he's doing right. it that has become like sickening to him. Yeah, he doesn't give the other guy a gun and a pack. No, no nor no. does he go out and and like take a knife and go try to fucking hunt a tiger, presumably. No. No. He's just doing the fake thing. Yeah, it's he's he's setting he's setting the fucking video game on easy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like is it going to be so hard for me in my isolation to corner one of my French bulldogs? No, like <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah. And this is, but this is also like, ex- maybe not explicitly, but this is framed as like a gender issue too, in the sense that he's like foppish, but also mm-hmm. then at the end we have to do like butch boy hour. Yeah. Butch. I said butch and not bitch, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But like barely, right? Like he's like, yeah. sir, you have bested me. Now we sh- <laughs> You know, then he ba- then he bows and like presumably what they they punch each other and pull hair and then like someone dies. <laughs> yeah, they well, New York housewives exactly. <laughs> well, right, and what he said on guard. So okay, so we're doing a fucking duel yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, but then yeah. it's not showed, right? And it just then then the very well, it's it's like cryptic, not cryptic, right? He had never slept in a better bed. Rainsford decided, right? That, that there we don't see the fight or anything, like. And is Rainsford now the new Zaroff? Because he like snuggly, snuggly into his bed. I think that's yeah, the right. idea, right? Like okay. any of us could hunt our own. <laughs> well, all right. So then, so when we say that Rainsford's the new Zaroff, does that mean okay? So the island's his now, and he's just going to keep doing what? Like he's basically like he in every way has become that role, right? Like now he's going to be hunting like dudes and stuff, or 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 is or is that no? Like I don't know the the good American one, and so now I don't know. Like it's gonna it it'll become a nicely managed theme park rather than I yeah I, I just I don't know what what does that mean? You know oh, what does that mean? Interesting. Yeah, is he going to fill it up with tigers and then just like. Yeah, is he going to like Jurassic Park it up rather than you know like <laughs> uh, what uh, blood sport or what? I, is, are they hunt people in blood? Hunger, Hunger Games, yes. right? But, but, yeah, just because uh, we Metal could Royale, yeah. doesn't mean that we should. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Jeff Goldblum. Yes, <laughs> look, I'm going to ch- quote Jeff Goldblum every movie from here on out. That's going to be a new th- new theme on the show. <laughs> I'm I'm down. I'm here for that. Um, but he doesn't like. Again, I think that this 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 like foppishness, right? So is he going to turn it into a good version or and I don't mean to be an utter killjoy, is it also just a is it a structural thing because I feel like this is another way that as high school readers were like what really happens at the end? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's posing something structural about the adventure story which is like um but does it in fact indict Human nature. I think think that's what's supposed to want you to think, right? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I don't, we don't have to read anything according to like what it's explicitly doing, but it drops the action of that scene and doesn't do that because it's like, if you, whatever you make up in your head is going to be grislier than what I actually showed. 
Mm-hmm. Well, jo- jokes on jokes on the most dangerous game because I didn't picture anything because these people are simply paper dolls. You know, like it's it's two paper dolls totally having a having a like a, a slap fight. I, I honestly think yeah. it looks too it would look too loserish to describe. <laughs> no, I totally it, it's it feels loserish to me right. too. I guess I'm just trying to think about like. The it's not even a critical history. It's like a it's like a school. Like why do they teach us in school? Because like there's all these funny things about why. Okay, edit this bullshit out if you're like tired of my tangents because I have fondue brain from being locked in my apartment. But like okay, well we teach it in high school like the Scarlet Letter because it's like you know what a symbol is. Here's a symbol. Yeah. Or. We teach things because we think they're going to solve our moral problems, which is like why we t- teach Huck Finn. And then sometimes yeah. we teach shit like um, Lord of the Flies because the people in it are teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Well, and right, and and no, and I do th- again why I think that like yeah, this sort of does work as like YA fiction, right? Is that like that that point is like, but ultimately it is about it is about how human nature is corrupt and the savage within us, right? Where it's like okay, so like if you're just starting to learn how to write literature papers, like okay, well you got it that theme, and then like when you you know like the more like the more you read and the more adventurous you know even with adventure fiction you read, you're like okay, that is like the most like cliched like basic point. <laughs> that right. literature can make um and which is why like i'm like wait oh hold on is there some kind of critiques of like czarism here like world war one that like what that that must mean something historically rather than just like the savagery of man you know but like but probably not you know <laughs> i mean i think like a nicer way to take that potentially is like this shit really knows her genre you know yes. like it really yeah, yeah. does its own it really like uh, piles on every adventure motif that possibly can. No, I agree, and 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 some you know, and, and I'm quite serious when I, I say that, like as, as like not like deep, which is a shitty word, a shitty phrase anyway, but like as, as not as not like sort of like philosophical as this is. I did really enjoy reading it, like, and, and I agree, it like it knows its genre. Um, it is it's a tight story, um, and like it of you know, and 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 I think that like one um, effect of that we see is like yeah this did spawn this whole like series of films like either they're directly based on this or like make you know pay homage to it uh you know comic books all kinds of stuff came from this story and i think uh, I, I read the coddle wrote like 300 stories this is the only one that's still in print it's like yeah i yeah. mean he fucking he fucking nailed uh the 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 the, the main points of of the genre um and I, good for him i mean shit i can't i can't write fiction like that the fucking <laughs> zodiac killer makes reference to this yeah oh wow no, yes it it like people weren't insp- people were inspired to do murders from it like oh man uh, or at least inspired to reference it in the conversation about their murder like n- making a narrative of their murderies yeah yes there are i i think there were people there were people people did people hunting stuff like for real oh <gasps> Cra- yeah, and so like I mean, I, I mean, other than genocide, like you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I guess I shouldn't yeah. like be so shocked. No, yeah, but but like, so um, I think there's there's something to like there's some, and also this thing reads like a like an episode of the Twilight Zone, except it ends yes. in a different place. Like if you were to if this were to be so 
<laughs> so if we put on our imagination pants and say like <laughs> the other way the story ends could be like him f- the, the reveal of what the most dangerous game is but it mm-hmm. t- but it doesn't for the reason that like Rainsford has to win as opposed right. to have it be like okay like to leave the suspense at he finds out this is going to be the contest the hunter versus the hunter you know like the guy who because right. it's important that he recognize Zaroff recognizes Rainsford at the beginning because he's like oh you wrote that book yeah. I like about snow leopard leopards. hunting in yes. Tibet or whatever you know like yeah. no that that's great, Kitty. No, I, I t- like, yeah, like if this, if this like ended with Zarov being like Rod Rainsford, I, and then like we cut to uh, to to Rod Serling, like yeah, that, that yeah. would be a Twilight Zone episode, you know, like so. with Orson Welles in it, right? Like, yeah, it yeah. would it would be in much more interesting structurally. Although I think we would still spend all this time as high schoolers being like, what really happened? As though this isn't a collection of like words yeah. and these fellows are are paper dolls yeah i i think like the, what's interesting i think the reason why this works is something that's taught in like i i mean i don't know i think i read it in maybe 10th grade is that the stuff that you're supposed to assume and think about like the fact that you're supposed to think maybe is reigns for the news are off th- that's actually a decent question that you can that you can talk about the stuff mm-hmm. that happens mm-hmm. off the page that you are supposed to infer it is implied you know what i mean like it's all it's all Mm -hmm, there it's not like you don't have to fully do this thing where there's no evidence you can actually come up with uh, opposite readings easily enough with shit in the text yeah so yeah that's and that is another sort of like how do we practice doing close reading as youngins is like Mm -hmm. looking for stuff that happens off screen or that is Mm -hmm. implied in addition to all this like we're tracking you know metaphors that are made with hammers and not Mm -hmm. stitched in Mm -hmm. yeah right i mean that's like very 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 beginner close reading it is no, it, it is, but, but, but I, it, it is, but, but I also think too, that like that, um, you know, again, like the market that is written for and seeing the kind of object that it is that like, yeah, I mean, it works pedagogically that way, but like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also, it's hitting, you know, I mean, it's hitting the, the tropes that it needs to hit, you know? Um, right. and yeah, cool. But. I mean, in a weird way, despite them being published in the same thing, it's like inverse or like the other, the, 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 the like trashy side of the turn of the screw. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, Which definitely, has, definitely. has all this shit happening in her mind. And under no circumstances is this invested in a psychology. Right. It's like potentially interested in human nature, but that's not the same as like, uh, you know, some sort of like rich account of how a character changes or, or like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does for, no, absolutely. you know, that, that totally makes sense. It's like, it's interested in, in states and conditions and feelings and responses because because that's the thing like the boredom thing sticks with me like the the fact that the guy is Mm -hmm. bored leads to all of this i mean not just that fact but but that's a big part of it like he can't get his rock he he can't his rocks off like he used to so he's got to keep upping the stakes even though he doesn't really because he's still like stacks the deck exactly 
So like they're my yeah. worst mixed metaphor. <laughs> but I think there is something of I don't know if I don't know if you'd call that psychology. I I don't think I don't I don't think it. But it's like, but yeah, you're right. It like it does reveal something about human nature, like that urge to if you're in charge to to give yourself an unfair advantage. Oh, okay, right. That like if you're if you're if you seize the position of being on top, you're going to take advantage of it. I, I mean, if you are, the, like, if you're the apex predator, you get the better weapons, right? Like, you get, you know, right. like, you're the king of the, I don't know, you're the king of queens. You're the, <laughs> everyone loves Raymond. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you can never, ever be Ahab, right? You can never actually make this into, like, a rich psychological challenge. Like, the animal can, right? Like, animals are just tossed out as unreasoning beasts, Yes, this guy. To be clear, this guy's no. This guy's no Ahab. Belief. That's we no, can all. I'm no. saying he's like not only not Ahab. He's like the worst counterpoint. Yes, but he is a monomaniac. Also, yes, uh, he's the beta version. Beta. <laughs> he's the like Zeta. He's the Omega <laughs> version. He, he's not. You know. He's like you can either run away or you can bet you can be tortured by this giant man with a scourge. Those are your choices. Right. Hey, Katie. Yeah, just can you can we like can we play a dangerous game? Do you know? Okay, I just got to note that at no point in the story does anybody say the most dangerous game is man. Well, that's because you got it. You got to read between the lines and figure it out. And do you want to interpret game as a? Yeah, here, here's a, here's your paper prompt. D- does game mean a game, or does it mean game as in things that are hunted? In an essay of three pages. <laughs> Of five paragraphs exactly. Yeah. So tell us how we know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. Yep. Also, are Russians always bad guys? <laughs> yes. Essay prompt. The Russian mind. <laughs> <laughs> the Russian mind. Oh, boy. Okay. Are you, are you ready to play the most dangerous game? Let's do it. Okay. Excited. Just don't make me kill anybody. You wanted to kill anybody, but in fact, uh, this is very this is very dangerous. I can't be held responsible for anything that happens to you physically or psychologically during the course of this game, uh, because it is a BuzzFeed quiz to find out which which one of the Real Housewives of New York City you are. I think Tristan and I are rolling absolutely blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrific. That's exactly as it should be. Um, so there's a reason for this. Not only because our hero and protagonist is from uh, New York, from New York, but but also because uh, there is a memorable episode of Real Housewives of NYC called Sun, Sand, and Psychosis among fans. It's known as Scary Island. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Ring any bells? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Death Swamp. You see some. You see some relationships here. Your mm-hmm. fucked island. Your yes, <laughs> <laughs> and indeed yes. So just to give you a little background on that, what what happens at Scary Island is that um, this group of ladies travels to St. Bart's for uh for R- Ramona Singer, housewife, one of the options, her her bachelorette party in advance of her vow renewal ceremony in honor of her seventeenth wedding anniversary. <laughs> ah, okay, an important number. Yes. Under no circumstances is a bachelorette party going to lead to problems on a Real Housewives franchise episode. Cor- correct. We're set up for everything to go smoothly, but of course, 
uh, of course, you know, Ramona's teenage daughter points out that 17th wedding anniversaries aren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she and then she responds, well, this is about my renewal. I'm renewing myself. <laughs> oh, okay. I right. get it now. So so anyway, here's the scary part. On the trip, Kelly Ben Simone, fashion model, mother of two, an ex-wife of noted fashion photographer, Jill Ben Simone, has an absolute full-blown meltdown involving uh involving jelly beans, involving screaming, involving a fashion photography shoot, um mm-hmm. just doing it all. I've done all of those things. Yeah. So you're yeah. so you're well prepared. <laughs> well prepared so in honor of scary island we're going to do something very scary which is identify you as one of these unhinged demon people Excellent. okay let's do it i would have a gigantic meltdown about candy i am just gonna note that but that's the only thing i have in common with these people <laughs> well, well, well we'll we'll see you know we'll see we'll see I will also note this is just a this is just like more trivia that i once texted queen of everything katie krivikolsky I once received a text message that said, I just ate an all candy dinner and I've never felt so alive. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. Get with the jelly beans. I'm about to make with the jelly beans. Um, I'm going to give you some options here about vacation disasters. So which disastrous vacation thing are you most likely to do? A- you meet a hot pirate that looks like Johnny Depp. You fuck him and deny him. Then you deny it to your friends, but you incriminate yourself by speaking to your friends on your cellular telephone in French, all about how you fucked him. And then the Bravo editors simply transcribe what you're saying into English and put them at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. B, you're on the same trip. You see the same pirate. You butt fuck him in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Shades of Fanny Hill. Mm -hmm. Shades of Fanny Hill. Uh, And then you say, um, in your own defense, you say, what happened to sex the old fashioned way, doggy style, when people make too many assumptions. (laughs) (laughs) Or C, wastedly eat shit into the bushes. And when asked about it later, uh, blow it off by saying, I took a tumble in the garden, darling. That's that C for sure. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded when I was, when I was young, a young lad, uh, not, not, not yet 21, uh, we went to a, you know, beach house in the Delaware, Delaware shore. And, uh, I, I, I passed out on a cactus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. If, if, if you pass out on a as one does, if, if you pass out on a cactus, you just might be from Delaware. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Fair owned. Or have gone to uh, Arizona State University. Yeah. True. <laughs> okay. Um. So here's here's your next question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. An argument is broken out among your friends. This is a common occurrence. Which of the following strategies do you use to diffuse the argument? A, begin sobbing and say, I'm a nice girl. Sometimes I mean with the things I say, but I'm a nice girl. (laughs) B, use direct confrontation. Scream, I'd rather eat glass than talk about this. Mm -hmm. Or C, attempt to storm off 
shouting, enjoy your banter and vile behavior. Enjoy that. But then bonk into the sliding glass door that separates you from the inside of the yacht like a wayward sparrow. Yeah. No, it's it's got to be C again, um, because I while I, I definitely like to like you know think that I'm I'm above such sort of shenanigans. I'm also very bad at things, meaning I'm very clumsy, you know. So I would I would totally uh, I would totally take the high ground and then clutch my way into uh, a cell phone. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with B and shriek my exit. Oh wow! Okay, I like I mean, that. that's cla- that's classic too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> Okay, next question. Which of the following Sonia Morgan taglines do you like the best? And this Morgan is, in fact, one of the uh, – she was married to a J.P. Morgan. Um, okay. Oh, okay. okay. That's revolting. Well, yeah. get ready to hear these taglines. All right. Uh, which, which one do you like the best? A, if being Sonia is so wrong, why does it feel so right? <laughs> B, <laughs> There's nothing gray about my gardens. Whoa. Okay. And there's there's more choices. Don't stop at C. C, sometimes Sonia has to go commando. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> or D, my yacht may have sailed, but my ship is coming in. That's not the last one. Okay. E, people call me over the top, but lately I prefer being a bottom. Oh my god! Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, I got to take the ship one, right? Uh, I don't even know what that means. My yacht is sailed, but my ship's coming in. But it, uh, that's me. So yeah, that's you. I'm going to go with B, which is there's nothing gray about my gardens. Yeah, okay. that, that that that's good. That's good too. Like this um, bitch can turn a phrase, by which I certainly mean the people who write this show for them. Yeah. Or, correct. <laughs> yeah. What are, wait, are you saying the reality television is scripted? <laughs> People come up with really funny lines sometimes on that show and and that they they are too drunk for that. <laughs> are, are you ready for your fi- final question? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I'm going to read you some dialogue from three fights that really happened on on the on this television program. And you and you're going to tell me which of the following you are most likely to get involved with. Okay. Yep, got it. So to set the so so to set the scene on A, there's a woman who went to culinary school. Bethany Frankel went to culinary school. Kelly Ben Simone um, argues that in fact, well, you'll see. Okay, so this argument opens with Kelly. You're not a chef. You're a cook. It's creepy. I, I didn't go to <laughs> culinary school, says Bethany. Kelly, Kelly, I don't know what you did. And I don't really care. Bethany, I went to culinary school, you moron. <laughs> okay, so that's that's A. So imagine, see if you get involved in that one. B, same two parties. Kelly says, what about when you attacked Gwyneth, my friend Gwyneth? Bethany, who's Gwyneth? <laughs> Kelly, Paltrow? And what about Rachel? <laughs> And here's C. This is just a one woman. We don't need the other end of the fight. We just, we just, need, we just need this one woman's dialogue. I don't want to hear any negativity. I don't need Xanax. I don't need Pinot Grigio. I need my husband. 
For you to be so ungracious, it's disgusting. You're both white trash, quite frankly. <laughs> B, because I absolutely need Xanax. <laughs> okay. So you're yeah. going with Gwyneth. I, I'm yes. gonna go with the first. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the fight over the over culinary culinary school. Um, and and you're not a chef. It's it's creepy. Was that that was part? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how that's how it begins. <laughs> I, I yeah. I I think that yes. I I I, I enjoyed that. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll take A. Okay, so you're taking A. Yep. All right. This is an this is this is an easy one actually. <laughs> oh no, Tristan, you wound up solidly. As a Bethany Frankel, uh, skinny girl, okay. margarita mogul. Okay. All right. Cool. That's that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yes. Tristan is very into the skinny girl, the skinny girl products, which are certainly <laughs> yeah, totally, not, totally. not marketed exclusively toward women. No. No. Definitely not. Congratulations. You're also very rich. Cool. <laughs> Megan, you are Sonia, Sonia Morgan. Sonia Morgan, whose empire includes, but is not limited to, writing sexy novels, uh, <gasps> a, a toaster oven cookbook recipe. Oh, um, I'm so into this. And an international fashion and lifestyle brand. <laughs> don't ask me what that means and don't ask Sonia either because she also doesn't know. Oh, I'm very okay. happy with this. I will. Can I just like float this that my empire is primarily pillows? Yes. <laughs> that could- with silly designs and expressions on them. I I live laugh hunt people. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Fake fake cross stitch and or real cross stitch done by women in Gujarat who I pay nothing to. <laughs> you truly have as, become as evil. one does. <laughs> yes. yes. I am the evil. I hunt the greatest I I am the most dangerous. You are. A capitalist. Excellent. You. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's the real housewives of something, like there's no there's no like secret secret commie hiding in the no, you know. No. no. It's no snake in the grass communist. Certainly not. Okay. This delightedly has been better read than dead. You can find me on Twitter at Tussersaurus. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if you want to disclose which Real Housewife of New York you have found yourself to be. <laughs> Our, I, there are people who are definitely missing from that list, I think. Uh, like the lady who threw her leg at someone. Aviva. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, our intro music is Left Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review and subscribe. And next week we have Chinua Achebe's Things Fall Apart, followed quickly by Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and of Mice and Men. Uh, thanks, comrades. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry.
charity? I know. Mm -mm. You don't do that. People who are on charities do not promote their own businesses. It's very déclassé. It's just not done, Well, Jill. that's your opinion. I don't it's agree. It's fact. You want, me, you want me to bring you up to the social register? You want, I'd be happy to. I just think it's I didn't know, you know where it is, but that's fine. Yeah, of course I know where it is, Where is, is it? Jill. Jill, it's tacky. Tell me where it is.